Hello and welcome back to Inspire with myself, Nicola Wills. Today's guest is a home education and gentle parenting mentor with three children. Previously working in a pupil referral unit in behaviour management, she now equips and empowers over a quarter of a million parents to make better choices for their families via her TikTok account and blog, Hannah Home Educates. Please welcome Hannah Canavan. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Hi, Hannah. So I just want to share with everyone how I came about you, basically. Uh, Scrolling, as we do on TikTok, and, you know, millions of like videos out there. And I just happened to come across yours. I wasn't like searching for anything. And you just grabbed my attention. The way you spoke, how you were, you know, sharing. You just go into such depth about, first, for me, what was really interesting to me was the gentle parenting. This is something that I didn't even know there was a thing. I just knew in my heart that I couldn't be a, uh, I don't even know, like an angry parent or do you must do this, do this. I always wanted to talk and excess and, and I guess I know now, now know that that's gentle parenting. And so then when I listened to your video, I was like, oh my gosh, she's just talking to me. This is a thing. And that, it was probably about nine months ago that I first come across your account. And now I am obsessed. And for me, you know, I don't home educate my children, but from listening to you, it is something now that myself and my husband openly speak about because it's like you say Hannah home educates you educate people in you know educating your children at home so very much incredible but Hannah you know obviously the accolades are amazing and I know this is really at the beginning part of your journey but let's take it right back to where it all began um, thank you that was very kind as well thank you Um, I'm intrigued to know what videos you saw because obviously there are thousands of them um so i grew up um in croydon so south london uh in a in a quiet nice area and um to a nurse and a policeman and had a, a kind of normal normalish childhood i went to a local comprehensive primary i was very lucky to get into a good one and then secondary was grammar school so it was a girl's grammar oh wow which was very good but it was you know in the top five percent of the company of the country very pressurized and academic and i did find that quite difficult in terms of um you know already putting pressure on myself and being a perfectionist and then having the external pressure as well so um I think I was 11 when I started developing an eating disorder and um, oh wow and so my teen years were pretty, pretty difficult I do think that that has helped you know having those difficulties have helped now in a lot of ways but it was obviously very difficult but um, I mean 11 like yeah. 11 is really young yes I think I really I think it was year 8 when I first decided oh I'm not I I don't want to eat anymore I was you know it was almost a way of feeling less because I felt so stressed with the work and and the competition and and living up to I I don't even think my parents really put pressure on me it was myself and yeah this is something I've always done put a lot of pressure on myself so yeah and you said that you're a perfectionist is that something that you know that you have always been I don't think I, I identified that about myself until very recently because, okay. um, yeah, I think, you know, when you're when you're a parent and you're trying to do best by your kids and you're trying to help them and you, you, you want them to feel certain ways about themselves, you often then identify things in yourself. You know, oh, this is really interesting. You know, I, I wouldn't want them to feel like that. And mm. just the the amount of pressure and 
I think recently having done fairly well in, in work, identifying that it was never quite enough and I never felt like I'd done a good yeah. job. Yeah. It, it yeah. was then. Um, so, and yeah. so just with the eating disorder at 11, it was not about looking in the mirror and thinking you're fat. No, not initially. I think that's probably quite a big misconception about yeah. general eating disorders. It's that it's a desire to be thin. And I think there certainly was that later on. Okay. But at the beginning, it was really a way of getting some control and feeling like I was good at something. Um, you know, it would, it'd be like, wow. how long can I go without food? And and can I still function like that? And it also, you know, when, you, when you're not eating, your, your emotions shut off. And so it was easy to cope with life when you don't really feel things um so that that was difficult and it's a shame because you know i had potential and i had the education that i wanted or that you know that i could have wanted and i do feel like in some ways it was a bit wasted because i was just struggling so much that's of course a bit of a shame and your parents know at the time it took i think it took three years for them to realize yeah i I fell at bulimia and when i was 11 as well and I, i think i was 14 when we first had a conversation about it. I think there, there's so much more education around it now. Nah, yeah. And and also, I think there were so many disordered behaviours that were normalised in previous generations. You know, you have the, the mum's feet and almond and that's completely normal. And um, <laughs> I think, you know, my mum grew up in that generation. And so yeah. it took a while to realise, actually, this is, a, this is a real problem. By which time, unfortunately, I, I, was, I was well into it and it was a bit late. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was uh, that was unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, because I, so I never have had an eating disorder, oh. uh, but my sister has. Um, and it, it, but that kind of started when she was 16. And I remember thinking, God, that's young. But talking about yeah. the uneducation of us, like <laughs> I remember calling a helpline saying, my sister's going to die. What should I do? Right. And they were like, just support her and I was like how can I support her you know yeah. and I remember going back to because I was living in London at the time and I went back to my mum's house where my sister was you know and having no clue and I would just Good. be like eat eat the chicken breast just eat it and we'd and then she'd throw it in my I mean we literally had like a fight because yeah. he, I'm just desperate for her but, to be well yeah and she's desperate to oh it was it was an awful awful time and it is absolutely I think for loved ones it must be even oh. more I was semi semi in control of it, you know. My yeah. mum just had to watch me, and I, I can't imagine doing that with my children. I just I can't know the absolute agony um, that that would have been for her. So yeah, those years were certainly very very difficult. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like now with social media, you know, there's such a like a bashing about it, but actually with social media and like the the information is there. I could have, you know, now you know I was like. A late you know a teenager at the time when this happened but now but if, i could just google how to best to support my anorexic yeah. sister and the, the information would be there um because what, you know if you're listening to this and you're going through that it's it's yeah. all i remember being it's all i thought about yeah how can i help her how can i help her and the yeah. more i tried to help the more she pushed me away yeah and it's i, I do think it's true that, that you have to be willing to accept help so yeah it, if, if if someone is a loved one of, of someone going through that, there is actually nothing you can do until that person. I know, I know. And, and that is a very, very difficult situation to be in. Yeah. It's still, to this day, it's the hardest thing that I've done is recover from that. Even, oh, even really? Having three children and single parenting, that is by far the hardest thing. Yeah. And so how long did that last for, Hannah? 
Oh, wow. Um, I would say 20, nearly, no, 17 years, something like that. Oh. I'd say years. Right. Um, but until, I, you know, we, even when I was pregnant with Esme, I remember it still being an issue. Um, it, it was sort of a grad. When I met my husband, um, the girl's dad, I was 19. And I, I do feel like things got very much better. Okay, than they yeah. Were, but it was still not good. Um, so, so meeting him was great and that really helped, but I do, I still did struggle a lot over the years until, yeah, I think probably last five years, I would say. Yeah, you're in a... So it it takes a long time, especially if you're sort of recovering by yourself without professional help and things. It's it's a long journey. Yeah. Can I just ask a question? Because it's something that's just come, that I keep thinking about, fasting. So... Fast, never, you know, fasting is, I'm sure, and you know, I have done it healthy and it does all these things, but it feels like it's kind of repackaging anorexia in a yeah. little bit. Like, don't eat all day and then you've got a tiny little window to eat and then that's it. And I'm sure that's what my sister used to do. Oh, Albert, I think there's so you know, I was vegan for two years and I do look back and think how much of that was me repackaging control around food. Yeah all that stuff and I think it's a lot about the intention and what you want to get out of it yeah. um you know there are some times when your body just doesn't feel like having some food and you know maybe you overindulge and it just is, is that time but I think you, you do have to be very honest with yourself about why yeah. you're doing things and how yeah. long you're you know are you going to do this forever is this your whole life now or is this just for a time and <laughs> constantly be like am I being honest with myself about it, yeah. how healthy is this and how much am I using it for, to to cover up a feeling that I don't want to have yeah yeah absolutely love that thank you for that like yeah. you know open and honesty um and so then you went through your teenage years well for yeah. a long time suffering basically and did you obviously because now you home educate your children mm-hmm. was there a point when you were in school that you thought one day when I have children I will never put them in school did you ever did you have that feeling at a young age no, I didn't. I did. I didn't think that at all. Um, I always wanted to be a mum, and I remember when I was probably about year nine, one of my English teachers said to my friend, actually, she said, "I just think Hannah wants to be a mum. That's what she wants to do." That was always what I wanted. Yeah, I never thought I wouldn't send them to school. That came yeah. later on. Yeah, I always thought naturally. I think I would have always been like a gentle parent. I don't think yeah. I would have ever, you know, used conventional discipline methods, for example, but. Yeah, that came later on when I worked in a people referral unit and saw alternative methods of education and communication. Okay. With children. That very much came when I was, I think I started there when I was 19. Ah, okay. So you leave school, you go, and was that your like a choice to go there or was it a bit like, I don't really know what to do with my life? You know, did you have an, a desire to go, to, to have yeah. a career in that field? I think um, it was interesting to me and it was different because it was a okay. people referral unit. It wasn't a normal school. And, okay. I was like, and I've always been interested in behaviour. Okay. Um, I think at the time, you know, we were teenagers and we, I just wanted another job. It was just another job. Okay. We'd been travelling. Yeah. It seemed convenient. And then I just happened to absolutely love it. Um, and so when you say people refer, you know, for, for people that don't know what that is, the, what is that? So if a child is, I think they call it excluded now from school, but okay. if a child, we used to call it expelled. So yeah. the school says we can't, help you and you are causing too much disruption so you can't come anymore 
um, a child can be sent to a pupil referral unit, which is often a smaller provision with with specialist teachers and can provide extra support for children who really aren't coping in mainstream. Um, Where I worked was pretty special because there was a pupil referral unit, which looked like a school, still classrooms and uniforms. But then if you got expelled from there, there was another place and that's where I worked. And that did, oh, okay. So it was it was completely different. It looked more like a youth club. Um and, you know, they could wear their own clothes and they were given independence and it was very different to school. Oh wow, that's really interesting. And so what kind of you know, you're nineteen, so you're basically a baby yourself. Yeah. You know, these children and well, people are literally a few years younger than you. What yeah. type of people did you meet working there? Well, that was one of the best things about it. It was very eclectic. And I think yeah. it was a lot about just how you could connect in different ways with, with yeah. the teenagers. So they were 14. They were only five years younger than me, yeah. five, five or six years. And I think I got on well there because I wasn't threatening because I was yeah. smaller than most of them. And I was, you know, blonde and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't going to threaten them or overpower them or anything. So they sort of accepted me. And it was very, there was, there was a much older man working there. There was a guy who'd, been an alternative provision before um there were two women who ran it who were absolutely incredible and so the 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 actual group of people who ran it were very different on paper but they all understood the children and and what they needed was not normal school yeah and the children that would come in there would you because i always feel like you know what is normal right so my brother was severely severely disabled um, and he's he passed away last year. But what Sorry. I remember growing up thinking, why, like, I'm normal and he's not, but who's to say that? Yeah. You know, like, who is to say? So, you know, sometimes children are getting excluded from school because they're doing something, but that's just who they are as their person. They just don't fit and conform into what society says is normal. Absolutely. And so with these pe- children that were coming into, what types, you know, were they... Did they have home issues or was it more of like something actually wrong with them? What were they like? Pretty much all of them had really bad home lives and were involved with it. And so from from my perspective, their behaviour was very understandable. They were very angry. And they didn't see the point in doing school when, you know, they used to bring their five-year-old sibling in because their their parent was passed out on the floor at home. And so talking to them about GCSEs was almost completely pointless because they didn't see that as an accessible option for them at the same time they were smart and they were they were lovely children if, if you didn't see their behavior as personal i think yeah. that's quite a um quite a key thing and i remember i i then ended up as a one-on-one with a with a boy who was i think he was 15 and they had sent him to this mechanics college so i used to have to go and babysit him basically yeah and he would ping off the walls and he would mess around but he loved cooking and he wanted to be a chef. But they didn't they didn't put him in that program because of his behaviour. But, you know, I, I he'd often sort of escape from where he was supposed to be doing mechanics and I'd have to follow him. And one time he went back home and he made this incredible stew, it's called groundnut stew. Dude. And he was he was so talented and he, he he made this incredible food. And I thought, you need to, you don't need to be in a in a workshop, you need oh, yeah. to be in the kitchen. Uh so they all had a lot of potential it was just that what was being offered to them was not going to help them yeah yeah completely 
And you say that you learned gentle parenting. Yeah. For anyone that's listening that doesn't know what is that is that, could you describe that to us? The best, I think there are probably a few definitions, but the, the way I try and describe it is that we, we speak to children with the same respect that we would speak to adults. And so, you know, I would never say to a friend, you know, get in the car right now or I'm going to, you know, I, I wouldn't say that to them because that would be really rude and we don't threaten other adults and so you try to think carefully about you know is is how you're talking to a child respectful usually you know punishment's not used because again we wouldn't punish our partner for example um and yeah it's just about more being in partnership with a child than a top-down hierarchy yeah which i completely completely understand and respect what do you do Mm. when for example my four-year-old is jumping on the sofa and we're renting a house and I've told her a million times not to jump on the sofa um, because she's going to ruin it. How, for, in you know, a, a situation like that where you're like, get down, Margot, get down, Margot, otherwise you're going to not go to soft yeah. play. Yeah. Like, I want to be a gentle parent, but I also <laughs> want her to get off that sofa. Yeah, How sure. would I communicate better in that situation? So I think one thing that, people say they often say I've said it a million times and I think well if you've had to say it a million times you know we do want to say something else because they it's not it's not hitting where it needs to hit and yeah I think being playful can often work really well and so for example if she's jumping on the sofa she obviously wants to move and you know so is there somewhere else she could jump jump into mummy's arms and we'll go and do this and so you redirect and it's not about because also kids are absolute genius when it comes to getting attention and this is seen as a bad thing but it's literally what they're hardwired to do to survive they need mm-hmm. parental attention so maybe she's doing it because she she, she knows she's going to get a reaction from you so rather than talking about it oh jump into mommy's arms and we're going to go in another room in, in the kitchen and, and jump on the bed or something yeah, yeah or, or you know or, or throw something or some other thing that's going to get that energy out but rather than you know focusing on that on that behavior just almost ignore it and just redirect that yeah. energy. I think something that also we could do is is natural consequences. So she, four is a little bit young for this, but if it was a 10-year-old, you could be like, you know, if that sofa breaks, this is how much money it's going to cost and are you going to contribute to that? You know, mummy's going to have to work this many hours to pay for that away yeah. from you. It might mean we don't get to live, you know, all of that stuff yeah. comes when they're older because a four-year-old won't, won't process yeah. <laughs> but it's just so simple and it's it is isn't it and it's because and it just makes so much sense like it's almost like putting yourself in their shoes isn't it rather than being like above them like what would I need if I was four yeah I would I, need my mum to be fun with me to just yeah. change the environment and sometimes you can't be and sometimes you do need to get on with things and it's you know you can say I really need you to get off there and 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 you know ultimately if you tried the playful thing and you've tried everything else, you know, I'm going to need to lift you off that because we really, you know, don't want to pay for the sofa. And just, you know, don't need to lift down. If, if she's having a tantrum, that's okay. They've got big feelings, but then it's about you don't shame them and you don't say, well, you're being ridiculous and this and that. Because yeah. had, I, they have had a need or a desire to do that. And, you know, sometimes we want to do ridiculous things. And as adults, we can do that without someone yelling at us. Yeah. Um, and also assuming positive atten- intent. So assume that they, they are not trying to piss I, you off. <laughs> yeah. I think Which they, they never are. They never are. We just yeah. see it as that. Yeah. Especially yeah. 
repeatedly, then it's like, you must be trying to piss me off. But yeah. they're just repeatedly trying to do something, maybe even get your attention. Attention, and yeah. Any, even negative is, is better for a child sometimes than, than no attention. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's see, it's just so right. Because I, my husband and I, we do have this argument. He'll never listen to this, so it's fine. I can... <laughs> <laughs> not that he's a bad person he's an amazing amazing dad yeah but he'll be like she's just doing it to wire me up and i'm like you're a 41 year old grown man yeah. she's four she's honey i trust me she's not doing it intentionally she's doing it because she just wants to have a bit of fun or because she wants you to play with that it's not winding me up and he goes in the other room all angry <laughs> yeah it's funny because it? it does it also i remember my eldest is now 12 and a half, but I remember when she was five and I had a three-year-old and, three and a baby and we went on holiday and she didn't want to eat any vegetables. We were yeah. at this, oh, I, this. I know this. Yeah, I, I just remember thinking, this is ridiculous. You are five years old. You know better than this and you are just being awkward. And now I look at five-year-olds and I think, you're a baby. You no, know, yeah. so it's just... But when we know them so intimately as, as parents, it can be like, you know we expect more from them than they can probably do. Yeah. Yeah. Or we say, you're a big girl now, which has yeah. definitely come up. Like, well, no, you're not actually. No. So this is a question, and I'm sure every single parent on the planet has this question. You've got a healthy meal in front of them and they need to eat their vegetables because it's the healthiest things to do. And they're like, no, I'm not hungry. I don't want to do it. What do you do? Oh, okay. Um, I, think, I think zooming out from that moment is always helpful because ultimately is eating one meal with vegetables the end goal i think maybe the end goal is that we end up with a child who's got like a positive attitude towards food and is generally healthy and yeah um and and, and also makes those choices for themselves we don't Self, yeah. you know we, we can't be with them when they're 25 and um my brother actually never ate fruit or vegetables and then he went backpacking in america when he was about 20 and and started eating wild blueberries that he found and my mum and I were like you don't eat fruit and he just suddenly started and I think we yeah. can often freak ourselves out because if they don't do it in front of us when when you know at a certain age we think it's never going to happen and yeah I remember thinking this about potty training reading several other things thinking it's never going to happen and generally when you think that as a parent it's not true it, it, yeah. it, it's just that so in in that moment I'd probably think hang on Am I modelling that behaviour? Am I eating while in front of them? Um, is there an alternative? Is it that they don't like broccoli and they can have carrot sticks instead? Mm. Over a week or a month, are they getting a balanced diet? And so maybe in that meal time, eating those vegetables is not the end goal. Yeah, I would probably be more relaxed about it than they have to eat the vegetables at the meal. You know, yeah, I, I have found that putting putting it's a bit of a. I'm not sure how. I think it's ethical. When, <laughs> watching, when they're watching TV, whatever I put next to them, they will eat because they're distracted. And so if you really want your child to eat carrots and apple, stub it next to them on a the plate when they're, they won't bother getting up and going to find Chris, generally, what I found. Yeah. Just minus the, their fruit and vegetables. So there's, you know, or take it outside is another one just to mix up the meal time and the, and the Yeah, non- yeah, yeah. Yeah, love that. That's and all, right. <laughs> I, on finishing your plate so my husband and I have this I think as well because his like mum was like growing two sons who they literally polished off every single meal like they couldn't get enough yeah whereas myself and my girls like we are like 
little picky eaters. We don't want to eat it all. And he's like, this bit, you got to eat it all. You've got to eat it all. And I'm like, no. And almost that we have an argument yeah. every dinner time <laughs> because they're not finishing all of their meal. Yeah. Now, I believe I'm right. What do you think? I'm like, yeah, but they've had enough. That's their full. They should yeah. make them eat food. Yeah, I think you're right too, to be honest. I mean, what I would say is, you know, if we if we had a dinner party and we invited adult guests over and there were, there were let's say there's eight of us, would you ever say that to another person? Uh, yeah. You know, yeah and, and I think it is different because we're responsible for our children. But I'm wondering, hmm. often our attitude towards mealtimes is very much linked to how we experience mealtimes. And so I know I have friends who grew up very, very, very poor and their thing was they had to eat all their food. And so they've hmm. got a bit of you know that something around that because they yeah. did oh and so they've brought that with them um i think you know how how can you possibly know for another person how hungry they are or how full I they know, are and um so in you know if it was a case where every single meal time they were refusing to eat anything and then a minute later they wanted a bunch of sugar i could understand yeah 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 um i just think finishing because what you know? What if one day he decides he's going to pile up the plate? Are they still supposed to finish it? You know I how know, does this? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I would. I would. We we could have fun meal times together. It'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I just feel like I, you know, as a as a girl, like I don't have that big appetite. You know, no. I'm not like, you know, in my two little girls, they're like we're all the same. You know, I'm happily just kind of pick a little bit right. and not have this. Yeah, yeah. So we're trying to explain that to a man who's like can't you know he eats his food and then he's gonna have a bowl of cereal after the, yeah. you know yeah. and i definitely feel like the mum dad relationship in all families you know it's we're coming from also different parents but also yeah. we're coming from different experiences children That's you know it. he wanted to be outside like with bugs and my girls want to be indoors playing with dolls he's like why are they indoors <laughs> <laughs> They want to be. It's, it's like different. I'm, I'm uh-huh. making him see. He is an amazing person. But it's yeah. just the different, the different conversations that you know that we have around raising you know, our children. And it can be a real challenge because you know ultimately our children are for a lot of us the most important yeah. thing we will ever you know engage in in terms of parenting and um, or in terms of any sort of project. If you like, raising our children is the most important thing. And so we 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 want to get it right. Yeah. I just think, especially when it's partners, it can be very difficult to find where the, where the middle ground is. So, yeah, I think always be a, a challenge. Yeah, exactly. I feel like what what and I have done this, and he's not particularly strict, but he's a lot stricter than I am. So, um, I would then find like your video or something, and I would like send it to him. <laughs> have a watch of this. Have a watch of this. You know, like in concepts that I feel it. You know, that I, or as women, we are open to. You know, yeah. if someone said, you know, there's actually a better way of parenting, yeah. I would, oh my God, let me know. I really want to learn about it. Yeah. Whereas, I'm not saying men, but some people are like, no, I'm right. You know, yeah. and I just think with evolution, and we can see that the way that I was raised is not particularly, I, it took me 10 years to unlearn all the things that, unfortunately, yeah. my parents, you know, so I want to do things differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there might be something in there about men, you know, how how men were raised is that you don't really express your emotions. And, uh, yeah. So I think that often men can find that very difficult seeing that in children and they all go to just do what you're told because they had to and they had to, you know, bottle it all up and this is now how it how it's playing out. But I think if you've got a partner who's willing to watch things or read things, that's a, a real pro. 
Yeah. Um, you know, as, as much as it can be frustrating as a partner who is doing the research and, and doing all that, you know, it can be different. If you've got a typical setup where the, maybe the man's working more or something, I think it can be probably quite scary to see that things are being done differently and, and they're almost scared, like, oh, how is this, yeah. how is my car going to turn out? Are they going to be okay? And so having that compassion of, of saying to them, you know, I know that you, you partly they need to trust you on it. Um, but, you know, I don't want to just overrule you. I do understand where you're coming from, but can we look at some? Yeah, have a look at this, have a read of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you're in your 20s working at this, what sounds amazing place. Um, you're with your partner. Yeah. And what happens? So I was there for, I think it was, it was less than two years because I had Esme when I was 21 and I was still working there when I was pregnant. So we got married very young when I was 21 and then Esme came along and yeah and then I then I had my baby and then I sort of um made parenting parenting was everything to me it was as soon as I came along I just I loved being her mom and it felt very natural I felt very lucky that I didn't struggle um in a lot of ways that a lot of parents do partly because I didn't have much of a life to give up you know I think I've had friends babies in their 40s they've had this amazing career they've had holidays they've got the house and cars and suddenly this baby comes along and blows it all up and they can't yeah. do that. I didn't have any of that. So I didn't have that to miss. And um, yeah, and so it was a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, none of my friends had babies because I was young. Of course, yeah. So yeah, she came along. Ira was two years later and Elfie was two years after that. So three, I think it was three under four. By the Amazing. Five, yeah. By the time you're 25? Yeah. Wow. And but you know you've always wanted that was your that was your goal that was your dream and so you know it, it wasn't like oh gosh that's such a hard thing it was like brilliant you know you're you're you've got what you want conversations with your husband then mm-hmm. did you always know one you wanted to homeschool and two the type of parenting style like how did you have that conversation with him I think that um, home education was different because that was more of a not exactly a one-off conversation but it was a decision one decision that had to be made at some point you know when yeah. it's uh, four we had but we talked about it from when she was a baby and so we decided that we'd look around um, I think we just looked around one small school near us but just to give it a go you know see how if we it yeah. made us minds it's a really good school um, and we did it and then we just didn't apply for a place oh, for her and he was always very happy for you know I would be doing the home education he'd be working yeah. I've always managed to work online in, in some capacity so that was that was d- just a decision we made and it was I feel very lucky it was easy you know I didn't yeah. have push back it was like we'll see how it goes um, gentle parenting I think we sort of navigated it along the way you know I was yeah. always very much the one who who was obsessive about it and read everything and um but he's he's naturally not a shouty person or anything yeah, like that nice but that made it a lot easier because that would be something I would have found difficult yeah um so yeah I feel like we were pretty on the same page which is awesome yeah amazing and so why why did you decide you know again yeah. like so many people and I definitely you know, I'm one of these person. I sending my children off to school felt right. a little bit like oh, a relief because I'd get some time for myself. Definitely. Um, and so, how you know, you obviously you decided at such a young age. Did they go to any right. nursery or did you have any childcare or nothing? It's always been no. You. 
we didn't do nursery or preschool um i think so my mum used to come up and have them like for most of a day um okay one week when they were a little bit older so that i could do a day's work yeah. um but i've never yeah they've never been to nursery or, or preschool i think there were a few reasons one and i think you could divide them into sort of push reasons towards home education and pull away from yeah. the, the mainstream environment so obviously the experience I'd had at the pupil referral unit was very positive and I thought yeah. I love this approach. It was gentle and respectful and everything I wanted for, for my child. Um, so that had made a big impact. I think also the idea of, of the you know, they use punishment in schools, in most schools in the UK. Yeah. And and I thought I don't, you know, I'm raising her in, in this way and I, I don't like that it's not like that in, in mainstream. Um, I had a sort of a gut feeling she wouldn't, there was something about it which now is you know turns out she's autistic and so there was something in there that made me think I don't think she's going to the environment didn't feel right for her she, yeah. she like big bright noisy environments and so that was something in there but also my my ex-husband he worked shifts and if she'd gone to nursery in school they have barely yeah. seen each other yeah. so it's very much from a perspective of we want this family dynamic and and we wanted to travel as well so that was a big yeah. a big factor yeah, absolutely amazing. And then you've got all three at home at such, well, you're young, but also they're at such a young age. How, yeah. what did the daily structure look like? <laughs> it's, such, <laughs> it's such a blur now thinking back. Got yeah. I'm much older. Um, we def- we've always had more of a weekly rhythm than a, than okay. a day thing. So it would look like, you know, on what we, we were very lucky in that. I did decide when Esme was a baby or we decided. And so I had time to find home educating and friends okay. and community. So we would, you know, one day we, we go to a national trust property or um, a soft play or a park and we'd have lots of play dates and we'd do baking and things at home. So it was very, you know, just the stuff you do with them when they're still. Yeah, because yeah, I would do that like in the summer holidays, you know, exactly. anyway. Yeah. So it was, it was literally like that all the time. Um, and we'd go to you know the rhyme time and all that horrendous stuff you have to do when they're when they're tiny. <laughs> I really hated that. <laughs> so yeah, so we just did all that, and then I can't. It sort of things became more available. Then there were some groups that started that they started <laughs> going to. Um, you know, Esme started Spanish and ballet and and a, a little bit more structure. Yeah. So, but then when they were six, five, and two, that's when we went travelling. So we didn't have a whole lot of time. Uh, okay. Before then. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were in Asia. So, yeah. And the thing for me is, again, I'm like, you know, I I could, I would love the idea of of homeschooling, but I think I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't homeschool them because I don't even know, you know, I can obviously do basic maths, but like, if I had to teach what I got taught at school, I would, I just, I wouldn't know what to do. How do you know? So, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Um, I think this is so one of the the biggest misconceptions yeah. are, is that you have to teach them the national curriculum and you have to act like a teacher. Yeah, honestly, it's not like that at all. It, it, you know, some people will do it like that, and that, that might work great for them. I don't do it like that at all. Um, and I think there's two probably main things to say about it. And the first is you don't have to do the national curriculum. Okay. And so we haven't done that as they move towards. You know, if they want to do exams, then we'll start doing more of that material. But a lot of it's in everyday life anyway. And so they do pick up that stuff. Um, and then the other thing is you Google it. You you, you learn yourself, um, okay. not just through Google, obviously, you know, yeah, yeah. Sources. and 
you know, the workbooks that we've got, for example, some of them, not that we use them a whole lot, but they explain it in a very child-friendly way, which to me is great. Because I, yeah, would, I know. Right? I you only ever have to be one step ahead of your child to help them with it. Yeah. So it's a combination of those things. And um, I've got a lot of friends who are ex-teachers who now home educate. Uh, okay. And they say, you know, we didn't know that we're at school, we're Googling stuff before lessons. And we, it's not like they've got it all in their head. Yeah. It's a constant learning process for them. So it's kind <laughs> of a mix of those, those aspects. Yeah. yeah, because I feel like, for example, my girls are like four and five. They're obsessed with like the Titanic. They want to know about Tutankhamun and the mummies. <laughs> so like actually learning about that stuff and I love, but it would be like, how would I teach them to write? Okay. Did you do that yourself? No, I didn't teach them mine to read or write and they can okay. do all of that. Yeah. Really? Honestly, I really think that when the something that I really think is fascinating is that, you know, babies walk and talk generally. Mm. You know, yeah. they and they do that because they're around people and they pick it up. And we we did help them with it, and we might you know help them with their pronunciation, Courage, yeah, hands, and then we hold you know hold things away from them. It's the same process with reading. It's been fascinating, and so I I read to them. I have a picture of Esme as a newborn, and I was reading Harry Potter to her because I did not want to read boring baby books. Uh, yeah. I was twenty one, and I wanted to read Harry Potter. She <laughs> had no idea she was a baby, um, and. I've always read to them. There's always been books around, but like, reading is so integral to, to life. You know, yeah. everywhere we go, you have to interpret things. And I, I do think it's quite like walking and talking. And I remember hearing this really great quote, which was that if we gave everyone, every baby walking and talking lessons, you know, let's say they were six months old, within a hundred years, we would think that babies had to have walking and talking lessons to do it, but that they just sort of do it. And for a lot of children, I think that's it's just a, a natural process, but we don't get to see that because we're doing it earlier in in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so children are they're not sort of they don't have that time to to do that later. Figure on. it out. Yeah, understand. Um, what's age would you say that they naturally would do that? Um, there's an age often sort of bandied around, which is seven to nine ish, and okay. certainly been true for all of mine. Yeah. Uh, I think the one thing is <clears throat> discomfort as a parent of being in a society where if yeah. your child can't read by six or their writing is this big, um, that's that's looked as a judgment on you yeah. as a parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get that's that. a huge part of any of this thing, you know, parenting, home education or gentle parenting is managing your own discomfort when people judge you for that um, yeah. and being able to hold that and think, now I'm trying to do what's best for my child with the information I've got so they can they can deal with it yeah <laughs> absolutely and so age six <laughs> Esme and the rest of your family moved to Asia yes we did and what was that for work or just because you wanted to travel no we'd always wanted to travel so their dad and I had gone for three months backpacking when we were you know first in love yeah. with teenagers and it was wonderful and and I remember thinking I don't want you know, people always said, oh, when you have kids, that will stop. And no, that's the yeah. fastest way to me to, to make me do something. If someone could tell me I can't do it, <laughs> so I immediately was like, no. And um, and so what we decided we just take this year out. We take a year and we we'd maybe find somewhere else to live. <laughs> and so my mum came with us, which was amazing. She took a sabbatical from work. Um, wow. So it was hopefully, we, we figured out the system. It was like one child to one adult when we were, you <laughs> know, in airports and things. Um and we did. We went to Bali yeah. and Thailand and Sri Lanka, and it was very stressful. 
Yeah. But it was also amazing. And at the time I was doing a bit of YouTube and I kind of I kind of regret not sharing the more stressful elements because it was during that YouTube time when everything was very perfect. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. And now yeah. you know, on TikTok and things, you can share the messy bits. And there were some extremely you know, the the list it actually wasn't even about the parenting, it was just visas and mm-hmm. different cultures and living arrangements and money actually you know it was all it was and trying to find wi-fi which in bali is challenging often um to work so yeah it was a very interesting year I, i'm really glad we do it um and then you came back you didn't decide to stay there no to move abroad so it, we did actually want to live in bali um what happened was that my middle daughter unfortunately had a horrible um she had a brain injury so she had this accident yeah oh, in bali in bali so she it was, uh, we were at a, a really nice resort. My mum had done yoga teacher training. So she was graduating and it was a party. Um, and Ira, there had been this hole in, in the ground that was about 20, from, from where she was down to the floor was about 20 foot. And it had been covered up with this um, plastic basically and she went through it. So yeah, it was it was very, very bad. And she had, I think it was two brain hemorrhages um, she she fractured the base of her skull, which apparently is the hardest bone to break. It was it was horrendous. Oh wow! Um, so we, and then we experienced the healthcare over there, which yeah, understandably is not you know even being extremely lucky to have health insurance and things. Um, even then, it it wasn't what you'd want for your child. And so and then there were earthquakes. <laughs> there were earthquakes the day she came out of hospital. Bali had its biggest earthquake for seventy five years. <laughs> And we couldn't fly her because of her injury. Okay. There were boats. It was just, it was it was a nightmare. Yeah. So, and how old was Ira at this time? She was five. Wow. And then, and has that brain injury affected her? I, I mean, it's, it's it's hard to say because yeah. I don't know what it been like before, but I don't think so. She, in terms of health, she's she's perfect. She uh, was so, so lucky. That's incredible. It, honestly, I don't know how, how she turned out, how she is. She's smart and funny and brilliant and... um. Yeah, so that is that is actually, it's just a miracle. You know, I've got no yeah. idea how, how she's okay. But she's yes. got her last appointment coming up soon and then they'll she, she ended up with then a heart infection. Well, it was a, a blood infection that went through her heart, it was strep B and some issues and then an enlarged heart, but she's having her last wow. appointment soon and she should be discharged then. So that'll be five years on. Yeah, yeah so she's ten now, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that's yeah, horrific. And really, even living in Spain, obviously Spain is is not a a country in a developing country but it's just different and especially yeah. when you don't speak the language you know life here is actually amazing when everything is amazing but if you're having a hard time yeah. you're sick mm-hmm. you know, you're feeling a bit low it can feel really lonely and you know in, in my two and a bit years of being here we've definitely had those moments of like oh god I just want my mom to pop around and just look after the children or when we all had COVID and it was like I can't, we can't leave. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, or Ben and I have an argument and I'm like, where can I go? Because really yeah. I just want to go to my mum's house yeah. so I can just moan and bitch and then go home mm-hmm. an hour later. Yeah. You can feel like that. And so, you know, people do romanticise living abroad, yeah. but it, it, ha- it obviously has its perks, but it does have things that I would never even think of that unless you did that experience and obviously you travelling and having mm-hmm. that healthcare experience. It just goes, mm, is but- it worth it? Yeah. And then obviously for that experience, you're just, it's just too yeah. much at it risk. Was. 
you know and and for all the bali is that we 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 fell in love with bali the people yeah. are, are gorgeous it's it's a stunning island it the food's amazing there's so much about it it's wonderful um it was the combination of the earthquakes and the healthcare and i thought i, I can't go back yeah. so knowingly taking you know, i didn't know before that that was the situation really yeah, of course earthquakes but there, there weren't any big ones at the time but um but i couldn't knowingly then take them back to live there yeah not what i know and and i do i do feel like it was very statistically very improbable of our situation mm-hmm. because most people if they if they need good healthcare, they they you know as as very privileged white people they fly to singapore and they oh, can okay. get there but because and, and that's easy for everyone but because of her injury the nature of her injury she couldn't and it just made me think well this is a potential and that's not something i'm gonna put them risk yeah. yeah yeah totally totally respect that so yeah. you came back after your travels yeah. um and then did you settle into life here going right okay now it's basically homeschool life forever yeah we were i mean i i don't think we'd ever considered putting them back or putting them into, okay. school. into school yeah you know that was it becomes just how you live it doesn't yeah have education and life it's just the kids just don't go to school in the same way yeah. that i don't work in an office so it's, it's just like yeah, that. yeah yeah um so yeah we settled back and we we're very grateful for everything in the UK, actually. Yeah, I bet. Very much. Yeah. And so a question I know that you're going to get asked is um, how do your children make friends and be social if yeah. they're just at home with you? Yeah. So I think the other, um, and this is probably the question I've got asked most over the, you know, if I always say if I had a pound for it, then um, <laughs> I think there's this conception from probably american media that homeschoolers stay at home a lot and and it's in the name you know which is why i sort of prefer home education because yeah um but we're not at home a whole all all the time i think five out of seven days my kids have have activities outside the house and so we're always out and about um and there's so there's a few different ways so essentially we we met a lot of people through facebook in the early days and formed this community and then we would just go out and obviously we have each other on whatsapp and that and um, play dates we have friends you know some of my friends have kids who go to school and so we just have play dates with them when they're not at school they went to cubs and scouts they went to you know they've done spanish and ballet um they now go to a home education group twice a week which is and they're about oh, to start wow. the one so three times a week they'll be spending most of the day in a group with other home educated children okay great great and then do they in my head they meet up and then do they have a kind of classroom situation or no it de- so it depends so from what i always say is people ask about my children's home ed group because it's very great it's great it's amazing okay problem is my friend runs it and she only runs one as in she's the only person in the uk yeah 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 our group um and a lot of people want to replicate that. But I'm sure there are groups up and down the country that are, you know, parent-led. Or yeah. So my children go to one, on one day a week, they do have structured lessons. They have yeah. math, English, science, art. Um, it's very gentle, though. It's very neurodiverse, friendly, and, and it's, you know, very chilled in a cabin. It's very nice. Um, another day they go to one in a hall and it's more free play and it's all STEM-based. Like, um, you know, Lego and, and they do cooking as well there. And then another another day, hopefully they're starting at a like a forest school type thing. So yeah. it, it's it's a variety, but there there are some structured classes, and they they choose to do them. Um, my 
youngest does an online dance class my eldest does an online singing class and my middle one has just asked me to sign her up to a greek mythology class as well wow so they do choose to do structured yeah they don't have any issues with it yeah yeah that's just fascinating i'm kind of yeah i'm really busy and then you know that the relief that i get that my children are at school Mm -hmm. where do you get that from sure um well they're not four and five yeah (laughs) they're that hard and i always you know i just went to a home ed camp recently and one mum at one point she had a five a three and a a five-year-old a three-year-old and a baby and at one point i didn't even know her she came and sat down next to us and she just burst into tears yeah yeah and it's so brutal when you have young children and so i told when people say i put my kids in school for the break i'm like get cool, it yeah. great like you need that and i completely get it um and, and and a lot of people need that and i would never say that's that's bad i think it's great and everyone gets great um i think because they've never been to school we're very used to it so it's just dynamic that everyone's yeah. had 12 years to settle into yeah yeah they're, they're, you know they're, we're not having teething issues and um, a lot of parents say to me i couldn't home educate because i couldn't have my child at home with me that much but they're talking about a child who's very stressed because of school and i think stressed children okay. are always much more difficult to live with yeah you know you've got all that tension and and, and things and a lot of the time people say oh it's like a different child once they've deregistered they've calmed down and so you know, I think if you've got a child who who is very chilled out and happy, you you need. It's not that you don't ever want a break. It's just that you don't need it. Yeah, much. You know, because it's, yeah, yeah, you're so right. Um, but I do get I do get breaks. Um, my mum tries to come down. She doesn't live near me, but she tries to come down every couple of weeks and and have the girls. So that's a lovely break. When they're at groups, I can do my work. Um, and like tonight, I'm very very lucky. Um, I've got a teenager who. I don't have a teenager but I know a teenager from when I used to run a youth club who's lovely and she's back from uni so she's going to come and babysit and, and we can go out for dinner so okay, we're very yeah. lucky that there are enough it's not it's not it's um, just on you yeah yeah it's not consistent or regular but it's enough that I don't feel like yeah I'm going crazy yeah which I completely respect yeah and I think probably I feel like that a little bit more because I'm living abroad definitely you actually yeah. yeah 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 not not I mean we do from the children's school and I've met friends but it's not like your friends that you've known forever or your mum or you know it's just different it is yeah. different so um I completely can see from my perspective actually why I would feel like oh you know. um and so yeah they are how old are they now 12 12, 12 10 and 8 <laughs> 12 10 and 8 and are they at an age where they're like when I grow up, I want to be kind of. They do. It changes. Um, so I think my my twelve year old, her main thing is she wants to live in a van with a dog, um, which is cool. It will suit her down to the ground, and she's very arty. So I can imagine her doing that, and you know, selling paintings on Etsy or something like that. She she'd suit that. Um, she says she wants to be a singer. I don't know in what context that would be but yeah so we haven't got like a very specific plan for that Mm. um my middle one is a lot more i think academic is the word science and math and like studying she's very into it and she loves learning and and she's got this crazy interest in greek mythology at the moment but she says she wants to be a zoologist so wow um, yeah yeah she did want to be a zookeeper and now she's decided she wants to be a, a, a zoo scientist so um yeah, and the eight-year-old, God. 
be a great dancer. She's oh, wow. majestic, and um, but I have no idea what she wants to do. And how does so let's say they you know they do want to do let's yeah, be a zoologist something like that. You need to go to university. So how yeah. would the transition be from homeschooling to kind of entering and you know, getting the the results right? I guess yeah. you need to go to university. How would that yeah. work? I'm really glad you've asked that because it's something I struggle to explain to people because it's yeah. very difficult to explain it when un, until you've seen it. And yeah. it's kind of a thing because a lot of the time, home educators just have to have faith in other home educators. And I remember saying to a woman when my kids were tiny, yours, did yours really just learn to read? And you sort of just, you really didn't do lessons with them, you know? And she was like, no, I didn't. Like I just, yeah. you know, and they did it. And I feel like that's, you do have to have trust that that it will happen. And so I recently saw a whole bunch of teenagers who had never done formal institutional learning at all go off and do their GCSEs. And they'd done that. They had chosen to go to, um, it was a, a small group class, one hour a week per subject for a year. And then they went and did their GCSEs. They obviously did a bit of study at home. But yeah. these are children who had never been made to do lessons. and But they wanted to go to college and, and one of them wanted to do music. So they picked their subjects and that and they they did them because they were they knew that they were motivated yeah i think it can look very different for different people there are online schools that you can join um uh to do gcse's if you wanted to do that i think that there you know there might be i, I really don't know there might be more knowledge gaps for my children because we haven't followed the curriculum but i also think they're learning so much other stuff that that will be useful in terms of learning yeah. the exam content and so for us it will look like okay what do we need to do to prepare for this we do the material you know i i might put in some other resources if we need it um and they and they take the exams yeah and then those exams and how do you as a parent who a home educates how do you feel about exams i feel like um it's a means to an end okay i feel like it's a tool and that rather than saying all children need to do 10 gccs my, I don't know if you can hear my child screaming. She's singing, but it sounds like oh. <laughs> I hope it's not coming through. Um, <laughs> rather than saying everyone needs to do these 10 GCSEs and that's what you do, you know, and, and then, oh, are you going to use them? And if so, what for? We say, right, well, what do you want to do? And then let's look at what we actually need to do to get there. Get to that point, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, if they want to do, they, I've always said if they want to do them or they need to do them, we'll do them. Yeah. So if you don't want to do it and you don't need to do it, I feel like, it's not like there's a cutoff point where you can then never do them. Right. And so if you did want to go back and, and do a GCSE or retrain in something later on, you can. And I think increasingly the, the work environment is becoming like that. You know, we do huh. switch careers a lot now and um, it doesn't it doesn't scare me as, a, as someone that's done a lot of jobs. Yeah. And I can see that the work environment is changing. Completely, yeah. So that's, yeah. And how, obviously your eldest daughter is <laughs> autistic. Um, how do you as a parent deal with that, you know, as well as home educating, also her autism? How does that look like? I think for me, there's very little line between home education and, and parenting because it is, uh, okay. we've always done it. So for me, it's about creating an environment where she feels comfortable and safe. Yeah. And because that's where children learn best anyway. And so obviously her home environment is very important. Um, it looks like I have found it more challenging than the other two yeah, because of she doesn't like demands. So if I suggest something, it's likely that that's going to be a no. So I've had to come up with ways of 
exp- you know, talking with her and partnering with her and explaining with her why something might be worthwhile, even if it's not fun immediately. Yeah. Um, and that is, that's challenge. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But in general, it's about, I don't force her to go places. She's not comfortable. We have to plan in a lot of downtime. If she's had a busy day of socializing the yeah. next day, often, you know, she'll need to just decompress and, um, yeah. So just, just manage yeah. it, basically. Yeah, definitely. And unfortunately, your relationship with your husband broke down and you then became a single parent educating three children at home. Was that, <laughs> like, I mean, for people listening, they think, bloody hell, oh my God, yeah. like how, how did, did it change a lot ha- taking a parent out of the environment? Did it feel like more pressure? In a way, in a way it did. Um, I think now we've obviously, you know, a few years down the line and we've got a, 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 a arrangement that people are, are comfortable with and it's regular. And so the girls go and see and they have a great time and that, that feels great. Um, it obviously did put pressure on me in terms of my work. Yeah, of course. Um, and I was very lucky that it was around that time that I was starting on TikTok and I just, you know, became quite involved in that. And so the timing of it, you know, is quite weird because that I just have, you know, it was, I think actually it was just after we'd broken up, I started on TikTok and was just messing around with the girls and having fun. And then I realised, oh, hang on, there's something here. No one's talking yeah. about home education. And so it's been a kind of mm, shift onto that, onto that path. Yeah. Onto um, but yeah. yeah, certainly I feel the pressure, you know, the pressure of, of three children pretty much being responsible for them and yeah. working is, is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Yeah. And let's talk about your TikTok because it sure. is amazing. Uh, for anyone that doesn't follow you, they need to follow you. Just just a different perspective on mm-hmm. what 90%, 99% of us have been taught and, you know, like we know. Um, on your TikTok account, you talk about, which I love, um, you know, being a single mom and then having a boyfriend and that <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. Just share with me like a little bit about what you, because, um, you know, obviously it's the homeschooling. So you think, oh, why would you, why is that important? But it yeah. is, isn't it? It's so important. Yeah. I think um, I've, what do you mean? Like in terms of like the relate, having a yeah, separate. Yeah, because you have, you have a separate relationship. Yeah. You know, this guy, your, your new boyfriend sure. um, hasn't got children, has he? Of his own. No. no right. Yeah. So he's like coming in, dating you with three children. You're home school. Like you've yeah. really set barrier, uh, barriers, boundaries, haven't you? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's so powerful to listen to that. So if you could just share more a little bit about that. I think, yeah, it's again, once how I, I did a video about this yesterday. Once you start home educating, you will start questioning absolutely everything. <sighs> you think that you have to do something in a certain way. Generally, I just don't find that's not true. And so... Mm-hmm. For us, it was about, hang on, we want a relationship, but but does that need to look like a cookie cutter, you know, oh, do they have a stepdad now? Well, actually, neither of us want that. Yeah. I don't think it would be best for the girls at this point. They've got a dad who lives down the road. They love him. There's no need for it. And yeah. um, as much as I think that can work amazingly for a lot of people, I also, I don't want a second family. I don't want more children. Yeah. Um, certainly not now. Um, and I just, it was about creating a relationship that said, frankly, sod the expectations and and the traditional dynamics. What do we actually want to do? What does it look like for us? And for us, it looks kind of like a plat, I suppose. You know, one strand is my life. 
one strand is his life and they are very separate and then we have the bit in the middle where we do cross over and so that might look you know we've been on holiday with the children together and he he comes over and he'll stay over but we don't live together he doesn't have clothes in my house you know it's not it's not I don't do his washing or cook for him like yeah great so and then it I I feel like and as a I feel like so many women would go oh my god I'd love that but they feel like you know they they can't be strong enough in themselves to actually say what they want because (laughs) the expectation is well you know he should move in and you know you should be cooking his dinner and he should be doing these things I know maybe I'm the same but so how does it how does someone like say that was it a conversation that you had with him early on or yeah, I think there's been. I think it's been an ongoing thing. We were talking about it the other day, and we were saying that we th- we think we do quite a good way of just feeding our way through it because obviously yeah. things develop and things change, and we do we do have we have regular conversations because he'll say I want to, you know he he works online and he'll say I want to go and do this week somewhere else and this week somewhere else and I'll be like cool right, cool I'm yeah. I'm busy now, so you know go. Um, I think it helps that he is he's very happy having that. He does not okay. be waited on. And any, if I could give women one piece of advice, is that do not act like a maid for 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 a guy. You know, no, yeah. or he, his mother. Exactly. If you're acting like his mum, it's not it's not going to be fun for you. And I've got three children to take care of. I don't need another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just it, it's difficult because thankfully he wants that as well, so I don't have to argue for it. But I would say honestly, you know, if you're looking at a bloke who wants to move in and have you have you act like a wife well then he needs to bring to the table enough whatever that looks like for you that is really worth it for you and and as always for me it's about my children come first and they're always going to and he knows that um and they're happiest have it having this arrangement basically so yeah yeah love it so so empowering and so let's talk about your tiktok because you have exploded on there and what like what was it that you thought okay I need to share this was there did it just kind of happen was it a a reason yeah I'm you know what it was I'm really curious to go back to the old videos now and and see I do remember one video um which which was the first time I had this flurry of followers I think I'd you know been ticking along had probably five thousand I did this one video which was someone asked me why my children didn't go to school and I just sat in a Tesco's car park and I just, I think I was sitting in my pyjamas. <laughs> and, and then I think I got like probably 30,000 from that, you know. It went uh, quite- yeah. Um, and and so I remember thinking, wow, there really is an interest in, in home education. Yeah. And so started sharing more. Um, and then people from the videos would see things. I didn't even really, uh, I didn't really clock that I was including them, but because it's just part of my life. And they'd say, oh, you parent like that. Oh, you know, why didn't you respond like this when your child said this? Or and so I started sharing about gentle parenting as well, and and then it was just became more. You know, it's a, it's a lifestyle thing as well now. So, um, yeah. So it, it's been a gradual, yeah, feeling my way through it and what people want to see, and and it helps. I'm extremely passionate about both of those things. Yeah, yeah, and you can tell that you are from your videos and also just from this chat. And on there, so you've now. Um, starting to you know you're selling courses is that right because obviously you must get millions of people asking for your advice and so and how have you condensed that so that you can help more people so, so i've got at the I, I am working on a gentle parenting one but i've got a home education one which is okay. called reimagine 
Um, and it's, it's, I've called it a de-schooling journey. So it's taking all of those beliefs that we had about child raising and, and education and school and helping someone get the confidence to make an alternative choice if they want to. Yeah. And, you know, it includes things like how to deregister and, and um, how to find your kids' friends and how to take care of yourself as a parent and, and yeah. things like that. Um, I, I did do one-on-ones, but I've got I've had so much work on recently that I've just started to restructure things. And I think that, you know, increasingly it'll be courses and yeah. um, maybe video courses or, or group workshops. But at the moment, you know, again, as a single parent, this whole thing is like I'm working, but I am, I do actually need to home educate as well. I still yeah. need I just work all the time. Um, yes. So yeah. I'm looking at a few different options, but the, the course is out already. Yeah, love that. And what is the next for you? What's like the vision for your future? Yeah. With, you know, your TikTok platform, your growing, what what do you see for yourself and your family? Well, as we were just chatting about, I think a podcast is very likely in the near future. I'm I'm actually really excited about now that I've got my head around it. Um, And that combined with a YouTube channel. And really, you know, although TikTok has the 10 minute feature now, which is fantastic. And I, I love being on there. I love that you can be messy and real on there and it's not, it's not yeah. you know, filtered and and I love the lives where we can chat but I think answering some of the deeper questions in longer form content would be really helpful um oh, sorry that's what I think that was my battery going though um yeah I think so YouTube a podcast and just growing my TikTok because I love it on yeah. there so I will definitely be on there for a, as long as they let me yeah and I just see you I just can see you on like you know on this morning sharing what you're oh. doing I tell like as an expert like you have like you are an expert in your field and very kind you know I feel like so many people want to know what you have to to share um and I've seen the way that the world is looking now like I'm sure you know some facts about it but I don't know facts but I feel just from listening and hearing yeah. so many people are now choosing to homeschool their children yeah yeah I think there's there's a big movement I mean obviously lockdown was a huge um, wake-up call for a lot of families and I remember thinking there are a lot of families who find their children are happier during a global pandemic than at school you know what does that say about about their experience of school and that's not to say that some schools aren't doing a great job and the teachers I think are all trying their absolute best of course resourcing and the training and things it's just so terrible from from the top down um and I think that was a big wake up call. And then also now that there is more awareness about you know, disabilities <laughs> and uh, neurodiversity, people are realising that the, the school system is designed for mainstream. It's, yeah. it's not designed. And for- like one type of child. Yeah. So if your child is not that type of child, ultimately they're going to suffer in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And that is really sad. And it shouldn't be like yeah. that. And I understand, you know, there's these protests going on about the Senate reform and people are fighting so hard to get their child um the right resourcing in schools but but every time I see those videos my heart sinks a little bit because I think you know people almost see the parents see themselves on one side and the teachers on the other and it's it's not like that teachers really want the best for the child they're just seeing a completely different side to the child and they don't have the resources and and so I think offering an alternative and trying to help people access that if they can it is another way we can we can help those parents basically yeah amazing and um, Hannah I've got one final question question oh. for you and this is the question that I ask every single person oh. who is on my podcast and that is what advice would you give to your younger self 
Um, I would say, oh my goodness, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. So it's all going to be fine. I I would tell myself, as long as I could believe it as a younger person, I would say, you need to have confidence. Everything is going to work out really well. And, and listen to that inner voice. And I know that is, you know, consumed by other voices saying you're not good enough and you're, you know, you're not reaching potential, but listen to the tiny one that's saying, no, you are doing well and you are, you are doing well enough um and that you are going to do some really good things absolutely amen to that hannah thank you so so much for this enlightening amazing conversation on a totally personal selfish note even if not one person listens to this podcast i just feel like i've just had an amazing conversation i feel educated i feel like i've opened up a new section of life that i have always been curious about but i didn't know so Thank you, Hannah. And um, I just, I'm really excited to see where this journey goes for you. And, you know, congratulations on being an incredible home educator. Thank you. Thanks, Nicola. That was very Thank you.